Hey, uh, if you're new around here, my name is Chad, one of the pastors here on staff, and we are wrapping up this short three-week series on parenting. And something Andy shared last week really stuck with me. He, he talked about the, the fact that we have to parent each of our kids uniquely. And man, that, that is a truth that I have come to understand all too well. We have, Sarah and I have five kids ranging in age from 15 to 4. And so I, I took that idea and did some quick math and realized that I have 53 years of parenting experience now. <laughs> and yet there are still some days where I wake up like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I, after two weeks in this parenting series, anybody have perfect kids? Anybody have parenting all figured out? Yeah, me neither. So I, let, let's keep going. Let's figure out this parenting thing together and we'll learn some more about what God says about it. Let's pray together real quick. Father, we need your help. Uh, we pause in our busy schedules to hear from you. Uh, this is an act of worship as we open up your word. So God, we pray that you would, you would speak, that you would teach us. Spirit, do your work. Impart your knowledge into our hearts and we say that we will obey whatever it is that you teach us. God, give us those open hearts and open ears to hear from you this morning. Uh, it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to state the obvious here. Parenting is not for the faint of heart, is it? You have to be on your game 24-7. And if you're a parent, I think that you realize the weight of the responsibility that comes with this role that we have. And that's why we're doing this series. And there are a couple of truths that really drive home the importance of this series, really underscore for me as a dad why I need to hear this and why we need to do this as, uh, as a church the first truth is this, is that we as parents are the biggest sources of influence for our kids. I mean, in all kinds of ways we influence them. From the, their favorite foods, they end up liking the same kinds of foods that we do. They end up liking the same kinds of sports teams that we like. We influence our kids in all kinds of ways. Uh, over the years in, in our house, I have been emphatic about the truth that Looney Tunes is the best cartoon of all times. Amen. That's right. Amen. Hands down. They, 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 there's no really even room for discussion. All you're doing is really arguing for number two. Uh, so we have a house full of Looney Tunes evangelists. So we, we were coming back from, uh, from a wedding that was in Ohio last week, and the, the kids were trying to figure out what TV show that they wanted or what, what they wanted to, to watch, what version of Looney Tunes they wanted to watch. So our four-year-old Daniel chimes up from the back row, and he says, uh, you need to watch the one where the fox catches the turkey. That's my favorite one. And everybody has these blank looks on their face. And, and his oldest brother, Aaron, says, hey, Daniel, uh, two things wrong with that. It is uh, the coyote and the roadrunner. And <laughs> the coyote never catches the roadrunner. And Daniel goes, oh, I, that's still my favorite, though. Hey, and, and it was one of those like, like proud parenting moments as a dad where I realized, you know what, I, I've really raised one up here. He's, he's educating his younger brother on some of the finer nuances of Looney Tunes. But the fact is, that, I mean, that we as parents, we are influencing our kids in all kinds of ways, in, in their values, in the ways that, that they see the world. We are defining for them the finish line in a lot of ways. We're defining for them what's a success and what's a failure. And, and the ways in which we spend our time, the ways in which we spend our money, we are communicating to them a very clear signal about what is important and what is not important about what it is that, that we are prioritizing with our lives, and they are constantly picking up on what it is that we are sharing with them. And as parents, we also recognize that we have the ability, we have the responsibility to shape their belief system, to, to shape their faith. But a lot of times what ends up happening is we as parents end up 
outsourcing the spiritual development of our kids to the church. Believing, okay, they're the experts in this field. I'll just drop them off and they will impart to them all that they need to know to raise them up uh, in the church and in their faith. But think about this statistic for a second. In an average year, we as a church will see your kids about 40 times. We will have them for about 40 hours a year, taking into account vacations and sicknesses and just weekend trips. That's about what we'll see your kids. But as a parent, taking out sleeping, taking out school, you will have 3,000 hours a year to impart your knowledge and your faith onto your kids. So the idea that... Everything that needs to happen in the spiritual, spiritual development of our kids needs to happen in the context of our Sunday morning church probably doesn't stand very good odds of succeeding. Now, that doesn't mean that it lessens the burden that, that we feel as a church. Um, our pledge to you and our goal as a church is to do the absolute best with the 40 hours a year that we have with your kids. But ultimately, parents are the ones that have more time that have more influence and have the biblical responsibility to raise up the next generation to follow after God's heart. That, that's why what we try to do, our, our philosophy of ministry around here, is to come alongside of you, to equip you to be able to parent your kids well and to point them to God so that you can be a success in your parenting. So that's truth number one, is that we are the, the biggest influencer in our kids' lives. And the second truth is that our time with our kids is limited. We only have a finite amount of time in order to impart and to influence our kids for Christ. We have 6,570 days before their 18th birthday. And we hear that number and it feels like forever when, when we have them when they're, and they're real little. But then I realize, I look at Aaron and realize that I only have about 1,000 days left with him before he goes off to college. I heard someone say one time that, in parenting, the days are long, but the years are short. And I think that, that quote really captures the angst that we feel as parents. They, there are some days, especially when they're younger, where it feels like all you get done is disciplining them and correcting them and cleaning up their messes. And you're thinking, is this day ever going to end? But then you, you blink a couple of times and you say, wait a second, how do I have a 16-year-old? The, the time just flies by. Last week we were driving back and I happened to look in the rearview mirror and I got this unique perspective and I saw our 15-year-old and our 4-year-old in the rearview mirror and I'm like, wait a second, I remember when Aaron was 4 years old just like it was yesterday and the years and the days just keep clipping away at a real quick pace. And then we hear these alarming statistics that, that half the kids that are raised in a Christian home will leave their faith by the time they graduate college. And, and that sits real heavy on our hearts for those of us who faith really matters. And we start asking the question, hey, have I done enough? Did, did I focus on the right things? This truth here, that, that our time with our kids is limited, makes us confront the reality that we don't have forever with our kids. And it creates some urgency in us. It can create some panic in us to begin to realize that I really need to leverage these days in order to make an impact on them, to, to really use them intentionally. So when, we're, when we see this truth, we, we have one of two options. We can either bury our heads in the sand and act like this isn't a reality, 
Or we, we, can choose, we can choose to adopt the same kind of heart that the psalmist had when he wrote these words. In Psalm chapter 90, it says, Teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. It's in the reality of our limited time with our kids that, that we gain the perspective that we need to ask for wisdom. We need to ask for wisdom from God on how we spend these times, these days with our kids. Some of you are, are in this room and you've already experienced that 6,570th day. You, you've done your part. You've raised your kids and now you have adult kids that are out of the house. And others are here and, and you don't have kids in your home yet. And there can be this temptation to tune out and say, well, this doesn't pertain to me. This isn't really relevant for me anymore. But what we've said time and again throughout this series is that every single believer has a calling and a responsibility to be a positive and godly influence on the next generation, to be able to pass along our faith to the next generation. So regardless of whether you have kids at home or not, this series is applicable for you. So as we wrap up this series this morning, we're going to take one more look at this passage of Scripture that we've come to each week in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and see how we can take some steps in our lives to improve as disciplers, to improve as influencers over this next generation. And then I want to uh, walk through two principles that I think will help us to parent for the long haul. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And as you are turning there, um, let me give you just a reminder of the context of, of this passage. So at this point in the, the history of Israel, they, they had been in captivity. They had been slaves in Egypt for a lot of years. Moses had come in, had rescued them out of slavery and began to take them to the promised land. But due to some disobedience in their lives, they had wandered in the, the desert for 40 years. So now they've come to this place. They're on the banks of the Jordan River, poised to take over this promised land that, that God had promised them. And so God has Moses gather all his people together and he wants to impart to them as much wisdom and as much knowledge as he can so that he can set them up for success when they are released into this new land, released into this next chapter, this new environment and the new experiences in the promised land. Does that sound familiar? It, it, in a lot of ways, what Deuteronomy in this passage in particular is talking about is God is parenting the nation of Israel. He gathers them together and he's saying, here's what you need to know. Before you go into that next chapter of your life, here are the things that you need to know. So with that as a backdrop, listen to these words again. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Those first two verses set for us the, the target, the goal for our parenting. At the end of 6,570 days and beyond, this is what we want for them. We want to raise up kids that love God and that follow him joyfully. So here's the principle, if you're taking notes, is that we as parents need to imagine the end. In a hundred years, the only thing that will matter is your kids, my kids' relationship with God. 
And intuitively, most of us in here would, would agree, yeah, you know, of course. I mean, of course God is important. Of course I want to raise up my kids to follow after him, to know who he is, and to love him. But then there are all these other things that are vying for our attention, right? That the rest of our lives don't slow down as we are parenting. We, we still have to discipline them. We, we still have to tend to, to crying babies and whining toddlers and potty training and homework and curfews. We, we still have bills to pay. In, in some ways, the mundane aspects of life can distract us from the goal that God has for us. And then in our day and age, it's so easy to pick up the standards of success that our culture hands us, and we end up making parenting more about making sure that they make the all-star team or making sure that they get into to the right college or choose the right career or, or marry the right person. And, and all those things are good things. There's nothing wrong, innately wrong with any of those things, but it's just that they are not our ultimate goal as parents. So what Moses is saying here is stay focused. Don't forget what's most important. Teach them that God is worthy of their love and worthy of their devotion. So what are some practical ways that we can do this? How do we practically imagine the end with our kids? Let me give you a couple of things here. First, as parents, we need to start asking the question, who do I want my son or my daughter to become? Who do I want them to become? That's a different question than what do I want them to become or to achieve. And we obviously don't have complete control over this outcome, but my role as a dad is to lay out some pictures of what life is supposed to look like, to lay out some pictures of what godly character looks like, and then in the context of our relationship to begin to move them in that direction. I've been reading through the gospel of Luke lately in my, in my daily time with the Lord. And, and I read a very familiar verse this week that just popped off the page to me. In Luke 2.52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And that, that's the target that I want to shoot for as a dad. That, and as much as I want my kids to grow in physical stature and to, to grow healthy Physically, I also want to help my kids grow in godly wisdom. To be able to, to see the world as God sees the world and to live according to his principles. And, and I want them to lead such lives that they please God with their lives and that they have an impact with the people that they come into contact with. I want them to have a love for God's word. And to see it as the source of their life. To apply its principles into their everyday life. I, I want them to know how to hear and to heed the Spirit's leading in their lives. To, to understand the whispers and how He leads their lives. To be good friends. To learn what it is to have a heart that's full of empathy. To enter into others' suffering. To have compassion for people around them. I, I want them to be quick to confess their sins to God. And to be equally quick to receive his forgiveness. And then to be able to turn around and to quickly give forgiveness to people that, that have hurt them. I want them to be gracious in their speech. I want them to be able to encourage other people. We need to be able to paint this picture for them. To, to give something to strive for. Something to grow into. So here's a challenge for us as parents. Over the next two weeks, I want you to daily ask this question, 
Who do I want my son or daughter to become? Who do I want them to become? And then see how that shifts our attitude. See how that might shift your priorities and the conversations that you might have during the day. Then the second way that we can imagine the end is this, to celebrate milestones. As we are imagining the end, as we are parenting towards this goal of raising up kids that love God and love people well, we need to make sure that we are stopping along the way with enough frequency that we can celebrate some of the progress that they're making. When our oldest two turned 13, uh, when Aaron and Katie both turned 13, we we had a special party for them to, to mark this special birthday in their lives. So when, when Aaron turned 13, we invited a few of his friends over, and then we invited some men over, so some men who had poured into them, who had invested into him, who loved him deeply and who he respected. And they each read a letter. Uh, and in this letter, that they had written some of the ways that they had seen Aaron grow up over the years. And then they spent some time imparting some knowledge, imparting some wisdom for him in the years ahead, in the seasons that he would find himself in later on in his life. And what we did was we intentionally hit the pause button in these crazy, hectic lives that that we live, and we celebrated who Aaron was becoming. Another way to do this as parents is to pay particular attention to key milestone transitions. And and I think an easy way of doing that is looking at the school years as they move from preschool into kindergarten or fifth grade into sixth grade or eighth grade into ninth grade that we capture these milestones in their lives. And don't overcomplicate it. But if your kid is going from, from elementary school to middle school, take them out to lunch. Tell a funny story. Look back and celebrate some of the things that you've seen. It's like, man, you've grown up so much while you're in elementary school. Here are some of the neat character qualities of what I've seen in your life. And you reminisce and you tell some great stories. And then you say, you know, I'm so excited for you. You're going into to this next season. You're entering into these middle school years. What are you nervous about? What are you excited about? And then you reinforce, you're going to do so well. You are going to thrive in there. You're going to have so many new opportunities here. And yeah, there are going to be some challenges. There are some things that are some dangers that might be coming down your path. But listen, your mom and I, we are right here beside of you. And you hit the pause button and you take this milestone moment to look back and to celebrate and then to look ahead and give them some confidence into the days ahead. Another huge milestone in the life of a Christian family is baptism. As baptisms come up, we have a class where we equip you as parents to have a conversation with your sons and your daughters about what baptism means. And it's this incredible milestone in the spiritual journey of your kids, this mark in their life where they declare publicly, I have received Christ as my Savior and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. And what we want to do as a church is to come alongside of you, to equip you, to give you the tools to have that kind of milestone, meaningful conversation with your kids. The point is that that we need to find ways, find some ways in these crazy, busy, hectic lives that we have to push the pause button long enough to notice and to celebrate some of the ways that God is already moving in the lives of our kids. So we imagine the end. And when we do this, what we do is we make sure that we keep the target in view of what it is that God is calling us to. And it allows us 
to more wisely spend the time that we have with them. But this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it, it teaches us another very important principle if we want to be able to parent for the long haul. So let me reread the first few verses here and unpack it a little bit more. Again, Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. I, I think it's fascinating and, and I think it's telling that this verse, these couple of verses, are sandwiched in Moses' retelling uh, the, the, the people of Israel all of the commands and the laws of God. And it's as if God is saying, hey, I don't want you to lose sight of this. Look up here. Look at me. I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that these commands, these laws that I am giving you are given in the context of a loving relationship. Don't forget that. Don't forget that I love you. And I think that that is an important reminder for us as parents. If we want to parent for the long haul. If you're taking notes, we have to remember that we have to fight for the heart. And, and the core of this principle is the importance of the relationship that we have with our kids. Um, the, the most important thing that you can have as your kids get older is a healthy, thriving relationship with them. Uh, one of the goals that I have as a dad, and this kind of goes back to that imagine the end principle, is, is that I, I really want to have healthy adult friendships with my kids. I, I really like them as people. I like who they are turning into. And what I want to be able to do is to have a lifetime of impact and a lifetime of encouragement on their spiritual journeys with God. And that often hinges on our ability to navigate a, a very necessary but often difficult transition as parents from a place of control to a place of influence. Uh, when our kids are younger, our, our relationship with them is primarily built around rules. It's setting boundaries, and, and that's good and necessary. Part of what it means to be a parent is to love them enough to set and to enforce boundaries. And there's a season in their life where we are lovingly controlling much of their lives. We, we dictate when they get up and when they go to bed and what they eat and what they wear and how they study and all of that kind of stuff. We, we control much of their lives, but there is a point in their lives, maybe it's at 15, maybe it's at 23, where we will lose the ability to control them. We will lose the ability to enforce all of these rules that we have in our lives. And that's good and necessary as well. I mean, after all, we're trying to raise responsible adults. Eventually, you're not going to have control. And you will only have influence. And what that means is that there is this transition time, usually in the teenage years, when it is the scariest time to do so, that we have to begin to replace control with influence. And wise parents begin to realize that as their kids get older, they need to focus more and more attention on developing a strong relationship with them. So what we need to do is to invest in such a way into this relationship with our kids that as our level of control begins to lessen, as our level of control begins to diminish, that we have earned the right to have a voice of influence in their lives that will carry on for a lifetime. And here's the truth. The quality of our relationship with our kids 
determines the level of that influence. Influence has to be earned. It, it does not come with the title of being a parent. We have to earn that right in the lives of our kids. So how do we do this? How, how do we fight for the heart? How, how do we parent in such a way? How do we invest in the relationship in such a way that we can have a lifetime of influence with our kids? A couple of things. One is spend quality, unstructured time with them. Enter into their worlds. Like what they like. Play the games that they like to play. Listen to their music. Ask good questions about what the music means and, and why they like to listen to it. Play basketball with them. Play cards with them. Find out what they like to do. And then enter into their worlds and like that with them. I am convinced that my wrestling with my boys in the floor is as much a part of my discipling them as opening up the Bible and teaching them. Because what I am doing when I enter into their worlds is I, I am investing in that relationship so that when they begin to have questions, when they begin to have doubts, when they begin to face temptations in their life, I have earned the right to have a voice of influence in their lives. And it is never too late to build this relationship. We have to constantly be um, building this relationship in our kids' lives. I, I was talking to Matt Santon, uh, one of the pastors up in Charleston this week, and he's, he and Stacy are at a point where their two oldest kids are now away at college, and they have two more at, at home. Um, but every Sunday night what they do is at 9 o'clock, the two that are away at college, they, they call in on a video chat, and they, as a family, spend time together talking through, you know, what, what the days, how the day or how the week went together. But they are constantly investing in that relationship, even now that the kids are out of the house. If you have adult kids who are out of the house, now you can still do this. Invest in the relationship. Pick up the phone. Take them out for a cup of coffee. Go watch the game together. Take in a round of golf. Go shopping together. Don't take your influence for granted. It, it has to continually be earned as we are pouring into the lives of our kids. And then the, the second way to do this is to leave no doubt in their minds that they are loved unconditionally. And for this, we take our example from our Heavenly Father. Right before Jesus began his earthly ministry, uh, he was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And as he was coming out of the water, God, the perfect Father, speaks these words over his son. It says, and a voice came from heaven and says that you are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. I find this fascinating. I mean, Jesus would have known that the Father loved him. But, but isn't it true that, that spoken words have a way of driving home the impact so much deeper? Our kids need to hear these same words from us. To hear, you are mine. Kids, you, you don't have to worry about your identity. You are mine. I am your dad. Kids need to have that reassurance. And so often I... I will, um, as I'm tucking my kids into bed, I'll tell them, you know, if I lined up all the kids in the world, I'd choose you to be my son. I'd choose you to be my daughter. You are mine. You don't have to go chasing after that anywhere else. Yeah. And then to say, whom I love. They need to hear that come from our mouths. You are deeply loved. You say it simply. And you say it often. And I think one of the most important times 
to state this and to remind them of our love is in the midst of failure, in the midst of some kind of disappointment going on in their life where we can come alongside of them and say, listen, you, you are loved not because of what you do. You are loved because you are mine. They need to hear that. And they need to hear, I am well pleased with you. Kids need to hear that we're proud of them. So what that means for us as parents is that we are actively looking for any behavior, any attitude, any action in their life that is praiseworthy. And we say, I am so proud of you. I, I think kids of all ages need to hear that. I, I, I still need to hear that. I don't know that we ever outgrow wanting to hear that our parents are proud of us. These are the questions that are rattling around in the minds of our kids. They, they want to know that I belong to my dad and that he belongs to me. They want to know that, that my dad loves me and that he's willing to say that to me. And they want to know that he's proud of me, really proud of me. So fantastic fathers, fantastic mothers know this. And what they do is they actively look for chances to answer these questions in the minds of their kids over and over again. Expressions like that, it changes our sons and daughters. And it earns us as parents a lifetime of influence. It is a tough deal to parent, isn't it? I mean, it is pressure-packed to, to think that we have so much influence in the development of their character, in the development of their faith. And, and that can be paralyzing. That, that can be a crippling thought if you think about it. And our parenting is going to be imperfect. We, we are going to fail at times as parents. Discipleship, influence, it's slow. It's inefficient. It's going to be ups and downs along the way. It, it's a moment by moment leveraging over a lifetime. You don't have to become a, a perfect parent overnight. You won't become a, a perfect parent overnight. But what you can do is be intentional about growing your own relationship with God so that you have something to pass off to your kids. And then you can become more intentional about taking steps forward to be the kind of parent that God wants you to become. As you leave here this morning, we've been trying throughout this series to give you some resources. And uh, there's a, a little bookmark that has 31 biblical virtues to pray for your kids. This is a fantastic resource. If you need some ideas about imagining the end, about who you want your kids to become, this is a great one. And again, if you, kids are out of the house, you can use this to pray for the next generation, to pray for your grandkids. But grab one of these on your way out. And know this, that we are your biggest fans. You can do this. And as you are parenting, be, be mindful of the fact that you have your own heavenly father who's saying the same things, who's cheering you on, who's rooting for you to be able to pour yourself into the next generation of kids. And he is guiding your steps as you are attempting to guide the next steps of the next generation. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful. So thankful that you are a good, good father. That you love us unconditionally. That you give us grace and mercy. And God, in your love for us, you have given us your word to teach us how to shape and to mold and to influence the next generation. So God, we pray now 
that as you are speaking to us, that we would take these next steps in our parenting to be more intentional, intentional about how we imagine the end of raising up a generation that loves you and that follows you joyfully and that fights for the heart, that understands that, that we need to develop a relationship with our kids to earn the right to be able to influence them for a lifetime. God, give us that heart. Give us your heart. Give us the courage and the boldness to make the changes that we need to. God, we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week. I remember how far I've come. I'm not lost with you. I'm home. I didn't find you on my